nu så där finns signal på min röst och där finns det på gitarren också. Då så. Mm. Okej. Okay. Well, hello, hello and welcome back. Game it for Riffs are back. The only podcast for riffs back in the air. How are you doing, Ole? I am very well. Uh, a bit sweaty, though, but uh, I think that's going to help uh, lubricate the neck of my guitar for some insane riffage today, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, um, it's been like a proper heat wave, right? Last oof, few yeah. weeks here in, in Sweden as well. Like It's normally not that hot in, in June in Stockholm. It's been uh, hovering around 30. Mm. celsius which is sweaty i'm recording in underwear right now yeah also in amsterdam it's been the same today it's uh, raining and thunder we'll see if we're gonna hear that maybe in the background uh, don't be alarmed my friends this is recorded way before you're listening to this so i'm sure you're gonna be fine yeah it's monsoon season too right in europe i think we, we never speak of it we don't have jungle so we don't speak of monsoon but i, think uh-huh. it is. I mean it's a uh-huh. lot of heavy rain in in the in June well, and July. Yeah, definitely normal weather in Amsterdam in the summer. Rain, 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 as uh, Dickie Betts said and sang back in the 70s. Um, <laughs> I'm a bit overhyped today because uh, in our recording uh, sequence we did a uh, two-week gap because I had to attend to uh, my son, among other things, uh, which was great. Um but now I'm like, oh, I want to record, I want to record. <laughs> so I was just sitting yeah. and waiting for Jonathan to log into Skype, and uh, here we are. So why don't I kick us off with uh, the riff of the week? Yeah, I think so. Let's do it. Let's hear it. I'm yeah. excited. All right. <laughs> I've heard the riff. I I I think I know it, but I'm I'm not like 100 percent sure. I hear <laughs> when I hear you play it like do 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 do. I hear a, like a slow shuffle beat. Exactly, exactly. I'm gonna guess ACDC. No, 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 no. It's uh, it it's uh, it's the progenitor of rock. It's way earlier than ACDC, but uh, I can see you. Uh, why you would guess it but uh let's say that i can i can give you a hint the song is written in 1958 okay 1958 uh, it's very bluesy right it has a, <laughs> yeah. a blues or or even rock and roll uh, so it's uh, that's why i was kind of in acdc land like maybe mm-hmm. an acdc ballad or something like that but mm. uh, man i have heard the riff i, yeah. I really recognize the riff straight out of for the first two chords but uh, now i'm just kind of <laughs> lost here for okay. finding any, any uh, band it's, name or song. Uh, the, the riff is from the song Rumble and the artist is uh, Link Ray. 
and his okay. Rayman. Uh, 1958, uh, one of the f yeah first uh, uh, songs to popularize distortion and power chords. They've been that's been around, but this was really like a, a breakout single from Link Ray in 1958. I don't know, maybe it's the oldest riff uh, so far. I mean, yeah, aside from like Hall of the Mountain King. Oh yeah, yeah, it's yeah, an yeah. old riff. That's for sure. So, so this riff, uh, it was actually banned for being uh, too heavy. I mean, this is, or maybe the only time, uh, only time I've heard of an actually an instrumental track, as it is, that's been banned because uh, the song uh, was seen. Maybe it, it would incite violence, yeah. also because it's called rumble, which in uh, uh, some circuits was also a code word for street fight. I think it sounds decadent, so that could also yeah. be a problem in that age because it has, <laughs> that is also some connection to to ACDC with that kind of decadence and the mm -hmm. low life uh, street scum uh, rockers that kind <laughs> of feel exactly. To it. So I, I could see it being banned in '58, sure. Yeah. So if you look at uh, Link Ray and when he was um, when he played this song, uh, I mean, he was kind of as clear, uh, clean cut, and uh, well dressed as. Uh, the Beatles, you know, even had a more like a proper rockabilly haircut. But when you look at him in the 70s and 80s, he looks like uh, really like a degenerate uh, Ramon style rocker with leather pants, leather jackets and a big, uh, you know, uh, a mullet and uh, dark sunglasses inside always. But, uh, but it was really like here... Where he took the step from play, having having playing played a lot of country uh, and blues as well, but more like he he was he was trying to be a mainstream artist, but uh, he was having trouble uh, trouble with that. But then he took uh, inspiration from um, blues uh, uh, guitarists and uh, uh, black R and B singers, and uh, he also states that his uh, his guitar teacher was a black man uh, from the small neighborhood where he where he grew up. Um, Link Ray himself is a Shawnee Indian uh, or Shawnee Native American, but uh, back then maybe they were called Indian, uh, and uh, which which also has some um, uh, which also comes across in his music because he has uh, songs that are dedicated to different Indian tribes. Yeah, now that you say that, uh, that, that the rhythm, the rhythm gets like another another um, possible imagery in my mind when you say that mm -hmm. kind of like uh, uh, the, uh, you know the the wide uh, the wide steps or the wide mm -hmm. fields uh, yeah. of, of North America. You know, the, the wind blows slowly. <laughs> so it doesn't have to be street, actually. No, exactly. Uh, I think it and uh, when they they. Um, made up the song on the spot uh, before they were going up, up on stage um, and they cranked up their am them, the amplifiers that they had uh, as loud as they could and of course that distorted the, the signal so that then they got this distorted sound yeah. uh, the first time they played but then when they were gonna uh, cut the record, when they were gonna record it, uh, Link Ray he had to come up with I mean how can I get this sound uh, and how can I translate it in the studio so he started making holes in the uh, let's see if I say it right now membrane uh, of the of the of the speaker of the amplifier to get like uh, d destroy the sound like the speaker cone 
the speaker cone. I think, yeah. I think membrane is correct actually, but yeah, yeah speaker speaker cone. Yeah, the, the actual speaker. Which right when you hear that, I mean, it's so it's so primitive. It's so primal. It's like uh, he he also describes like we we talked a few weeks about, ago about uh, how Lemmy you know remembers the time before rock and roll or like what white uh, people were listening to. I mean, the soda pop, like uh, <laughs> how much for that doggy in the window, you know, it was just uh, a very stupid, uh, like boring music. And then here comes uh, Link Ray to, um, together with like uh, blues and R&B artists, uh, bring in like this rock and roll. Yeah, it's very interesting with the with the sound there because uh, in those days in the, the studio environment was a little bit different than today, to say mm -hmm. the least. Like uh, you would have uh, pretty much lab coated engineers, yeah, that were, <laughs> and they were the only guys allowed to touch anything. So good luck coming in with like uh, cranking your amp to this to to distortion or even uh, let alone their amp. You know, you wouldn't be allowed to do that. So no. uh, I'm sure he had to get creative there. And I've heard that uh, I heard it like uh, when I was 14, I think, when I just started playing guitar. Uh, but I think it was attributed wrongly to Jimi Hendrix. I mean, that could be, you know, like uh, I think that in, in, we 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 live now in an age of the internet, where you know, like, or or actually to start with, an age of distortion pedals and yeah. uh, a, a digital uh, VST uh, distortion or effects but back then maybe there were some effects uh, available but i mean it wasn't like someone was uh, you couldn't go on youtube and research like i want this sound you know you kind of yeah. i mean the the wheel was probably invent reinvented time and time again just to get this yeah. sounds and uh, about about that studio environment with the, the you know the lab coated engineers and and the kind of stiffness it, it lasted for almost 10 years uh, after that too like uh, yeah uh, for example, the Beatles often had to fight in the studio to do things that were not really allowed. You know, mm. uh, back then it was very proper, very by the by, by the book, by protocol when you recorded music. Yeah, I mean, then they got uh, uh, George Martin, right, who uh, was more into uh, experimenting. And uh, but I, I can see that, like the first few albums, it was really yeah fight, now, fighting he had made the a lot of uh, comic comedic albums yeah like british comedy <laughs> albums so he had all that that's why they have a, that's a, like a large part of their sound but i guess more about the beatles later like uh, rock comedy <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean sometimes they are quite comedical i would say like uh, but yeah i want to return to that studio with the lab coat guys yeah. and grays okay. there i think sure. we're, we still have some more left in that scene right um well one thing that happened uh the studio exec really, really hated uh, Link Ray and especially the song. But he was smart enough to notice that his uh, niece really liked it. She thought it was the coolest thing she ever heard. And then he was like, ah, must be something I don't get. So uh, why don't I let, I let her decide, you know? And then it was cool. released and it sold one million copies in the 50s. One million. <laughs> it's like... It's it's an is a record uh, back then. It was so much, uh, so popular. And then uh, the story of Link Ray is, is kind of weird. I mean, he never uh, he was his peers were Elvis Presley, let's say. I mean, and uh, that whole gang, uh, Johnny Cash. Uh, he was in the same uh, era, and uh, but he never became a millionaire. He um, he didn't record a proper album until uh, the 70s. Uh, he only released singles, which, I mean, it's a viable way of uh, releasing mu music, even like today, it's even yeah. like that's how you release music. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, albums didn't, re that didn't really kick off until the uh, late 60s. 
No, exactly. So he was, but, he was uh, starting out in the single era. Yeah, but it, it kind of took a... You could say it took a break uh, there in the 60s. Um, while he was, you know, really popular also, like a music, musician's musician, uh, Jimmy Page and Bob Dylan really loved him. Um, and he inspired people to pick up the guitar. Um, that said, he, uh, yeah, he didn't make any money. He uh, He was kind of feeling uh, that maybe th this wasn't for him, so he retired uh, late 60s and moved to the countryside to start a farm. Uh, became also more deeply entrenched in uh, Christianity, I mean, more religious, I should say. And yeah. uh, well, he had a small comeback uh, when he and his brothers, who were the original Raymond, his original like uh, bandmates, his uh, two younger brothers, they uh, started to record an album in 1971 uh, in the farm, and uh, they were experimenting with um, uh, really like uh, in really strange ways. I mean, they didn't have a proper studio, so when they recorded the guitar, for instance, they put the they put the amplifier out on the yard and put the microphone on the in inside of. Uh, the hen house just to get like a proper tone that didn't distort too much uh, stuff like this and they made a great album that is uh, like a more of a country album I would say uh, which doesn't have a lot of riffs uh, so I won't be playing anything from that but that's how I discovered him there's a song called Fire and Brimstone that's just uh, yeah, it's really great and Falling Rain it's an album full of hits um, but riff wise I mean that's you get to rumble. That's his most famous one, and I, I think I'll play it. Yeah, you should play one it again. I was gonna say yeah. that. Let's refresh yeah. it and uh, maybe break it apart a little bit and uh, see. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> something like that um it, it is quite uh, as you pointed out or as you you felt it already you knew the riff and you there is a, a shuffle going on underneath uh the original song is a bit i mean it's it's slow it's like a, a really slow uh, slow song which um amplifies its heaviness it really makes it heavier it's a very heavy riff. I've, I think I've heard many versions of it. At least Fire and Brimstone, the, the other song I've heard many versions of uh, and when I was working in the blues bar and so forth. Because mm. uh, it's like a classic blues. And I think this one may have been covered quite a bit too. Are normally his songs vocal-oriented songs? Is this the one and only instrumental? Or uh, no, no. He has a, a, it's, it's more like in the beginning he did more instrumentals. And then he he discovered his uh, singing. He actually only had one lung uh, due to uh, a child... Uh, um, uh, due to... This, uh, how do you say it? <laughs> tuberculosis, I think. I think he had tuberculosis and so, so only, only had one lung. So he was reluctant to sing, but on this album um, uh, from 1971 where he poses as an Indian on the, on the front cover, um, 
to to really like em- emphasize his roots uh he he started singing for real and after that there were there were more uh tracks with song as well and he also released more albums what about the contents of uh, of the riff uh, what 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 what, kind of, what do we find like for example the first two chords yeah we have uh, we have a d going to a um uh to an e Then we have the D to an A, and then back to E. And that is a fun little. How do you say it? Um, like a B, uh, some kind of B, I would there, and then there's a little lick. The B is probably B seven, right? The blues yeah, B. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, which which you pick apart there, uh, 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 like an arpeggio. Arpeggio? Do you say that? Do 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 do. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. An arpeggio. Yeah. And then it ends with a pentatonic lick, I would say, or a blues lick, maybe. Yeah. Uh, which is super. It's so simple, but it uh, it's on on some live performances. He has so it's so heavy laden with fuzz uh, sound and it, it's maybe even octaver effect so it's, it really sounds amazing it's really it, everyone should really look for uh, either um, a live performance of this song from 1974 in black and white or from 1984 in color i mean it's it's great it's really good i actually have an octaver plugged in now i want to try with an octaver <laughs> <laughs> nice breeze to it or you know, like a, a slow but strong wind something mm. like that uh actually the fir- the first uh, the riff you heard at the start of the program that's also a link ray song uh a bit uh i don't know if you remember it it's uh <laughs> That one, uh, which I discovered today and started playing, I thought it was so great. Uh, Totally different um, feel to it, Um, but still like a a blues, of course. Uh, This was from like a live recording from 96. Um, To to tell a bit about his life, he he moved to Copenhagen, married a Danish uh, girl in the 80s, and he lived there until he died in 2005. Uh, okay. Which uh, which is nice, and it, oh, nice city. Uh, in an interview I saw saw with him, he sits very close to his then very new uh, young wife and uh, tells that he's super happy about having a nice Danish band and like doing occasional touring, uh, being invited to small shows, and it's really like yeah, you can see he didn't make it big, um, like Elvis or uh, any uh, Johnny Cash or whatever. Uh, but it's really happy about it. He's really humble about what he has, and uh, also happy about the legacy of the song "Rumble" uh, that he plays every time, of course. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. I mean, uh, actually, I didn't know much about uh, Link Ray before this. 
Yeah, <laughs> I knew the riff and uh, I knew the the Fire and Brimstone song too. Uh, but mm. uh, it was it's not really a name that I'm familiar with, to be honest. So it's interesting. It's something that's worth worth checking out. So it's like an interesting dude. Definitely, I think I think it's also cool when you see uh, someone who came out in the um, in the 50s you know and how they evolved <laughs> like more he, he grew uh, like his appearance grew more into the uh, the content of that first song you know as he grew older like he really became this rock uh, dirty rock star and he's totally fine with it but i like the story about how he kind of uh, went for uh, for his uh, introspection more uh, a religious uh, searching which led him to this uh, this album that's really about his religion and his uh, search for God and his um, Native American heritage. How do you say <laughs> heritage? heritage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was one small riff that I, I thought was really nice that he made uh, also from the song Midnight Lover from 1975, I believe. You know which song that reminds me of? Uh, which riff? I could guess that it reminds you of uh, Tony Iommi riff. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's it's funnier. Him, cowboys. <laughs> the nuge. Who the hell you think you are? <laughs> the nuge. <laughs> that nugent. I, I didn't. I don't know <laughs> if he's, he's such uh, a maybe, good guitarist, man. Yeah, he's such he's, a good guitarist. Yeah. yeah. If, you, if you, if you, dear listener, if you haven't listened to his guitar playing, if you haven't paid attention to that, do that because he's uh, such a good guitar player. It's, it's a lot to say about him, also. But uh, maybe that's that's for his own show. Who knows? <laughs> for sure. For sure. I mean, that's gonna happen. That's a good idea. It's a good idea. No but I, li I like, uh, yeah, but there is some, I, th I think for sure he listened to uh, Link Ray, because uh, there is this, um, yeah, there is also in, in, in some other riffs that Link Ray has that is more, like the one I played, where it's more single note uh, than the big uh, power chords. But he had, he had a lot. And I think uh, to end my segment of this uh, show, um, uh, a quote from Link Ray when asked, you know, how he looks at his uh, uh, guitar playing. He says, uh, "Well, I'm an average guitar player who's looking for a sound, and, uh, well and that, that's how, that's how he looks at himself. You know, like yeah, I, I, I wasn't." And he he explains that in the '50s when he started out, he wanted to play like perfect uh, country picking or like classical guitar or. Uh, uh, you know clean but he wasn't he wasn't good enough so he 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 went for this distorted tone you know to kind of um get over those insecurities and also that um that hindrance that uh yeah. threshold and i think that and he, he still he still looked at himself like that and uh, for the rest of his career the rest of his life and and i think that's pretty nice it's really the director of most guitarists. You start playing and you're like, oh, it's pretty hard to play, but maybe I could hit this distortion. 
Yeah. You know, maybe I could get something going then. So yeah. it's uh, it's well phrased, I would say, and I think a lot of guitarists can see themselves in that. For sure. Um, okay, I'll play uh, uh, Rumble one more time. Play that little uh, riff also before uh, that Wh- which uh, one? melodic riff you did at oh, the end. Uh, sure. So I just want to guess what, or like not guess, but uh, connect it to uh, an Iomi riff. Okay. Ah, oh, nice. It's because of the do 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 do. That's very <laughs> which, like a which, Tony Iommi type uh, cadence there. Ah, okay. And yeah. also, he was big fan of uh, instrumental guitar music. Yeah, he, mm. like, his main inspiration has been stated as uh, the Shadows, uh, famous ah. for the song Apache. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, so that, he's that's... kind of in these waters, right? He's he's, he's meddling in these waters. Oh, yeah. for sure, for sure. I mean, uh, like uh, I said before, there, uh, I, Link Ray also had. The, these uh, nat- uh, Native American uh, sounding titles like uh, Shawnee, uh, Comanche, and Apache, another another Apache. He also made a song mm-hmm. called Ace of Spades, which is not a Motorhead cover. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, he, he touches, I think he touches everyone a little with his guitar playing, which I think is what uh, was really exciting for me. When, when a good friend Bjorn, a listener of this podcast, suggested that I should pick this riff. And I thought, yeah, why not? And uh, then it kind of, yeah, you know, it, it kind of uh, wait, waited its turn. Uh, there was a lot of riffs to go through before that. But then when I started playing it, I was like, oh, this is really fun. More fun than I thought. And then when I looked into uh, Link Ray's catalog, I discovered so many that he was really like a, a riff meister on, on his own. Really uh, exciting. I had really a, a fun time uh, working on this riff. And uh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's, I'm gonna be listening to uh, this song and a few more. I'm sure it's gonna be fitting in the heat. I think. Uh, yeah, on, the, on, on my bicycle in the summer heat, it's gonna be nice. <laughs> so uh, let's conclude the section with uh, listening to the riff again. Then. All right. Has a nice hang to it, I would say. <laughs> I, I like the toggle thing you do in the beginning there with the <laughs> microphone. Yeah. And the pickup switch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we might get back to that. Stylish, stylish uh, move. <laughs> guitar move. Yeah, it's a guitar yeah. move for sure. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of guitar moves, I had some trouble today. I had a, like, I've had a few riffs ready all the time, and now I picked out, I think it was six riffs, and, cool. not, and all of them sounded like shit. It could be because I'm slightly hungover today. <laughs> so, so I mean, I'm not on full confidence, but then I found like a safe home in, in a riff uh, right before recording. So uh, I'm just going to go ahead and play it, I guess. Uh, yeah, let's go. Down to one half step. Thank you. 
nice. Razor's edge outlines the dead incisions in my head. Anticipation, the stimulation to kill the exhilaration. Close your eyes, look deep in your soul, step outside yourself and let your mind go. Nice. <laughs> Seasons in the Abyss. Slayer. Seasons in the Abyss. That's right. Slayer. It was about time for Slayer, right? Slayer! Slayer! <laughs> They've been mentioned before, and uh, yeah, it was just you know that this is a classic set of riffs, and I'm, I'm I know for sure that this is one of your maybe most listened to Slayer songs as well because oh, you had it in a Spotify playlist in the early days of Spotify. A playlist called True Metal No Fake. <laughs> <laughs> what what I mean, else is in that? <laughs> I don't remember. It was some good stuff, but also some random stuff. I think uh, True Metal it was like no Fake. Uh, some re- <laughs> Total Jävla Mörker was in there with a good song. Speaker up på korset. Uh, maybe uh, it was also very weird enough you had Nazi punks fuck off in that <laughs> which one is that I don't even know it's like some punk song I don't know. oh yeah 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 sure uh, it's an M.O.B no yeah what is that but it, it's something like in the in the it, it's like I don't know maybe maybe, uh, maybe sometimes you um, uh, you're afraid that uh, Jeff Hanneman's collection of Nazi relics will like uh, seep over to you, and people will start questioning. And then you put in this song just to like, no, no, fuck off, Nazis. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't true, know the, true, the, yeah. the thinking, you know, when you make this list, it's entirely possible that that was like I my mean, paranoia. Yeah, if, you, if, you, if you make a hard uh, metal playlist, it might be like uh, dangerously Nazi in, in parts. So maybe that was a good call then. No, <laughs> just, like a disclaimer, brass clap. Anyway, <laughs> Seasons in the Abyss. Yeah, Seasons in the Abyss by Slayer, super. 1990. Uh, last album featuring Dave Lombardo in his original run. And uh, first album of the 90s, obviously. Uh, and uh, the band's, what would it be? Fifth fifth album, full-length album? Yeah, so it's their, it's their Metallica Black album. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much Seasons in the Abyss. And I had a Slayer discussion yesterday uh, mm. when I worked up the hangover nest that I have now. <laughs> I had a, a Slayer discussion and, uh, and I said that Rain in Blood is clearly the best album. South of Heaven is my personal favorite album. And the one I listen to these days is Seasons in the Abyss. Mm. So it's weird sometimes, right? That uh, one album is, is clearly the best, but then you have one that is slightly more your flavor. And uh, South of Heaven, I really dig the, the slower tempos on that. And uh, Seasons kind of lifts that further, I guess, and makes it maybe a little bit more muscular. Yeah. And, uh, it's a very good sounding record, I would say. And, and these riffs have a certain like uh, punch to them. <laughs> kind of moving like big robot parts or something you know mm, they're yeah. kind of square but uh, heavy and kind of floating feel like i like it yeah also nice momentum i would call it a good momentum in this song definitely uh, i noticed you skipped over the acoustic uh, intro riff which i also like do, do you know it yeah, i can play that now i can play that now yes uh, i just didn't want to be patch changing there let's see and then there's some octaves on top of that like yeah 
one of their few clean riffs. They don't have too many clean riffs. <laughs> yeah, and maybe one of the mo- more dynamic songs. Uh, instead of going yeah. like full throttle, this has uh, some dynamics going on, which, which I think it's very dramatic. Also adds to the flavor of special flavor of this song. I especially yeah. love. Yeah, the combination of these two riffs, when it or three riffs, when it goes from the uh, acoustic to the heavy, it's just like, oof, really good. Yeah, yeah, I like them all. So there's not really a main riff. For some reason, the main riff I would say is the bridge, like the that kind of signifies the song in a way. But uh, it's not uh, in any way my favorite riff. I really dig the first one with the bend. Doomslayer there, right? and then uh, obviously the verse that I addressed before, and uh, uh, what else is there? That's about the riffs. Then there's uh, power chords in the in the chorus of the song, and uh, there's a cool verse, uh, and the, the other parts of the intro, obviously how it builds. It builds in a kind of heavy metal, traditional heavy metal way, mm. right? They're not doing the raining blood thing where every song is stripped down to just the action and nothing else. Here they're getting back on. On the um, Merciful Fate, uh, Iron Maiden, uh, even Metallica uh, mm. st- style intro and song structure. Yeah, I mean, you could you could uh, easily fall into riff stacking when you do something like this. But here, I think the, the they really flow. There's a really good flow to the riffs. Um, funny the, <laughs> that you chose that riff because I, I think it, in a way it reminds me of Rumble. Uh, but although Rumble is just that riff and a s- small, super easy solo. Um, but that that yeah. uh, now it's you know fifty years later now uh, Slayer can can put more than one riff in a song and they do uh, because it's yeah. kind of uh, it's all it's expected of them but I mean I think they're it it's uh, looking at their catalog at this point like you say this is the uh, this is the first lo- uh, song with an acoustic part or i mean it's almost like a ballad for them you know you have, uh, you have spilled the, you have spilled the blood on the album before but that's mm-hmm. more even more uh, even more minimalistic that little picking pattern yeah it, uh, it's almost only like adding a color where, whereas this is an actual acoustic riff it's an easy one but it's a it's a proper acoustic riff but obviously it's evil sounding we are back with the tritone again <laughs> obviously yeah. can, can i ask you what they were on the fifth record and dave lombardo left why did he leave i I don't know that story i think it was a lot of uh like um animosity between him and carrie king in terms of uh, running a business together like Mm -hmm. they could never really um see eye to eye uh, in the business part of of uh, moving slayer forward at least that was the problems when he left another time because he did (laughs) rejoin the band i guess one or maybe two times Mm. And um, he left again, and it was always pointed towards something to do with the economy, kind of similar to the Bill Ward situation, you might say. Okay, yeah. The, and, uh, I think also that Kerry King is kind of comfortable playing with other drummers. Like he's he doesn't feel that uh, Dave Lombardi is necessary, but most Slayer fans actually feel that he is necessary. It is uh, a bit like this. Um, uh, it, it kind of is, it became a legendary drummer, right? He, uh, yeah. Dave Lombardo is like the name. It's, it's quality. When it comes to metal drumming, it's really uh, one of the better drummers. Yeah. For sure. I mean, personally, I, I, I really dig uh, Paul Bostoff. I think he's more groove. He's a little bit more, um, yeah, just groove to his playing. I think Dave Lombardo is very, very stiff, but his stiffness comes across uh, like cool and groovy in, in the context of Slayer. Yeah. 
you, but don't, then, you don't uh, need to shuffle it up that much. And no, he's but very then you good at playing double bass drums. So, yeah, you know, but, he's kind but of it, the king of that. But it's also about like the what songs here he's playing on. You know, he's playing yeah. on the best songs. So I mean, that's also a big part yeah. of why people prefer him, I guess. Uh, he's also best in Slayer. I think he's best in Slayer. I mean, if he's in Testament, it's similar, so that's pretty good. But uh, I don't know. Have you have you listened to anything to his weird uh, projects like Fantomas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Fantomas. Is he good? Uh, is he good drums, or is he just messy? Like, does he really? Because I wouldn't think of him as a like a creative, rhythmical well, guy. Well, maybe think of you him remember. More like a maybe you remember back, way back in the fourth episode when we were talking Melvins and. Uh, Fantomas, yeah. of course, uh, King Basso, the guitarist in Melvins, is part of that. Together with Dave Lombardo, Trevor Dunn, a bass player from, uh, among other things, uh, Mr. Bungle and a uh, bit stint in Melvins, and Mike Patton, of course, on the, on vocals. Yeah. And M- Mike Patton uh, claimed that he wanted to write the most complicated uh, music, and he made like proper lyrical uh, musical sheets and gave that to the band. And said uh, said in interviews, yeah, this is the most complex music ever <laughs> ever made. <laughs> and yeah. then uh, the, the camera pans to King Basso says, yeah, it was uh, extremely simple, a bit stupid actually, a bit pathetic. <laughs> yeah, threw it together in an afternoon. <laughs> I remember yeah, that from, uh, from episode. But episode I mean, three. it's it's pretty great. But I, I think that uh, Dave Lombardo can play this stuff uh, with one uh, with one arm tied behind his back, no problem. Okay, so it's it, sound, it sounds good. No, or... no, it sounds good. Also, it's it's uh, it's more it's dynamic for sure. Especially the um, uh, the album they made with covers of uh, movie music, which I recommend to mm. everyone. It's their best, I think. Italian movie music, uh, all kinds of, mu- or, of movie okay. music. There is some uh, there is some uh, spaghetti western, but you, they also do a uh, which one is it? Uh, they do the Godfather, yeah, okay, uh, <laughs> kind of Italian. Uh, but you, actually, you, I remember now when think, talking about Italians and talking about Fantomas and David Bar. Now I remember that he actually told the story of when he was fired the first time. Okay, um, I heard I heard it a while back, so it wasn't fresh in my memory. But actually, he went. Uh, you will relate to this, and you will definitely take Dave Lombardo's part because he uh-huh. went to see his uh, newly born son, and he was in the middle of a tour. Oh. And uh, and Carrie King didn't like that. <laughs> no. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's what Dave says anyway. Yeah, I mean it. It is. Um, yeah, the, I I think you uh, get a pass if you're gonna visit your son. Um, yeah, I think Carrie King maybe is as much of a douche as he, as he looks. Maybe, maybe. But I think I, I kind of like Carrie King actually. I mean, Slayer is just a kind of band. What would you say about like the? The general vibe you get from those guys, those four guys. Well, you it's, have uh, okay, it's not okay, okay, Metallica. Okay, okay. They're not. They, they feels like they're not as uh, uh, Metallica feels like more uh, romantic surrounding metal and more yeah, like, uh, more emotional and uh, a bit more grandiose. And Slayer feels like just a bunch of a bunch of jerks, kind of. Right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's funny. You have the two guitarists that both give off this. Uh, psychopathic vibes i think Kerry king by the way he looks like a truck driver who kills people for sport you know hunts you and then you have <laughs> jeff hanneman uh collecting nazi trophies 
and he not had the proper death metal hair too. You know, yeah, that, uh, exactly. You were not supposed yeah. to wash your hair. Nick Anderson said this. He comes up time and time again in Gain for Ifs because he says some fun stuff. And he said that uh, back in the day when you were going to meet your death metal friends, you were very cautious about not having washed your hair uh, the same day or the day before. <laughs> Do you remember? Uh, yes, otherwise you wouldn't get that look. <laughs> no, exactly. Jeff Hanneman's Metal Diary. Uh, yeah, Jeff Hanneman's Metal Diary was an ongoing diary by... Uh, supposedly written by Jeff Hanneman for the Swedish <laughs> humor website um, Spermaharen, uh, which yep. was created by Killing Gänget, uh, a kind yeah. of ironic group, a super group of comedians that everyone liked in the 90s that are, yeah, it's a bit hard to get into now, I would say. It was um, a strange kind of joke, but some of that stuff they had up there was fun, including Jeff Hanneman's Metal Diary. It started as, as yeah. his own diary, and it was like, yeah, I... I praised Satan this night, and then I cooked dinner. But then after a while, the like the, the translator of because it's translated to Swedish, the translator starts to take over his diary. Yeah, <laughs> which is kind of a funny plot, I think. I mean, uh, that one I liked. There was also one called Ensam Segla, yeah. which I would recommend to anyone speaking Swedish. That one was fun. Yeah, a very strange it, it format. Was. I mean, this was the really early days of the internet, so. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. it's like it's actually it was refresh or refreshing to think back on a time when you visited different websites that had like original content only uh, that yeah. was not just uh, uh, you know directing you uh, redirecting you or directing you to other things other people that other yeah, people uh, stuff that other people had done um, so yeah they have fond memories for sure uh, Jeff Hanneman also went uh, uh, yeah, a, a very uh, I don't know how to say it but a, a proper metal death uh, yeah, eventually. Quite, quite metal, yeah, bitten by a venomous spider. And then uh, developing this uh, meat-eating um, uh, bacteria that ate part of his arm and eventually he died from liver failure, I think, or kidney failure. Uh, yeah, maybe it didn't help that he uh, drank so much. No, no. Probably the liver could have maybe done a little bit of a better job with less of those Heinekens. Yeah. <laughs> maybe but that's again the vibe around Slayer right they're standing there on the back of Raining Blood with like a six pack Heineken and they're like yeah. <laughs> messing up each other's hair like, <laughs> like really exactly. just a bunch of jerks but I like uh, them and of course Tom is super likable yeah. yeah I remember when I saw them live it was a very very fond memory first gig I saw with Slayer I was 14 and we talked um, about it I was there also my first gig yeah. yeah oh yeah we talked about it in the podcast right Sweating Buckets uh, yeah. I don't know if it was an episode that got cut or if we talked about it, but uh, anyway, I got I, I found myself in <laughs> in the bottom of a mosh pit, and I got dragged uh, dragged to safety by this guy, uh, big bald guy with glasses, looked like kind of uh, like Kerry King, and uh, I, we stood there for a moment in the chaos, holding hands, and then I I, I didn't know what to do, so I, I with my hand. In his hand, I created the, the the horns. I threw up the horns, you know. And then he did the same. Oh, yeah. And then we did <laughs> kind of this heavy metal salute in the middle There's of the mayhem. metal camaraderie right And then, right and there, then and I never beautiful. saw him again. Yeah. <laughs> beautiful metal camaraderie. Like, uh, <laughs> it's part of, the, part of the thing, right? And when you're, when you're young, too, like uh, early yeah, teens, uh, then it can be like, actually a little bit scary in, in, those, in those mosh pits. Yeah, no, I, I, did, yeah. I, did, I was shocked. That was the first time. Yeah. I was a bit uh, heavy starter, entombed, Slayer, Iron Maiden. Great evening, but uh, yeah, wow. I, afterwards, I couldn't sleep. Okay, yeah, you're talking about the stadium gig. I was yeah. there too, uh, but at that time I was not into Slayer yet. Uh, at that time I was uh, 13. 
Uh, the next year, 2001, I saw them headlining Tattoo the Planet. I was going to see Pantera, but they chickened out because of 9-11. Oh, yeah, I saw that uh, gig too. <laughs> yeah, and we might, may have addressed that in the in the podcast. No, as well. we haven't. Ta- Tattoo the Planet. <laughs> Why was it called Tattoo the Planet? I don't know. Such a stupid name. And I even bought the t-shirt and I was stupid enough to buy the tour t-shirt. Why did I do that? <laughs> I think I thought the the other one, I didn't like God Hates Us All on it. I felt that that was like too... Uh, uh, I don't know, teen angsty to yeah, wear. So, so Pantera I, I didn't want to wear a shirt with that on. Pantera didn't want to play because of uh, September 11th had just happened. Yeah, uh, Slayer didn't give a fuck. <laughs> they came. Uh, Tom Mariah said that uh, the kids in Europe uh, gonna need their Slayer. That was oh, his comment. Very nice. basic. Uh, but he's a nice guy. Come on. That's, he has uh, a very nice aura, right? I, w- yeah. I was gonna get to that. That uh, on that on that show, I, w- I really got into Slayer. You know, on that day. Uh, mm. pretty much i had listened to songs like this and uh, dead skin mask and a few others like the the easier songs but uh, on in this set i was like raving mad about the whole thing every song including weird songs like ditto head and uh, they played hella weights i think they mm. definitely played end of death and yeah great show and i, I was sweating <laughs> buckets and really like got into the band and i remember tom that he was like kind of this uh, nice uh, father figure yeah. <laughs> on stage because he was so calm in between the songs and you know not, not not really in a rush or not really like aggravated or trying to uh aggravate the crowd uh, mm. more like a, you know a soft-spoken uh, kind of uh, easygoing guy i had a, a very a very fond memory from seeing slayer at gröna lund uh, the theme park in the middle of stockholm and uh, before they were starting uh, the the whole crowd was gathering it was a lot of people there i took a, a one last ride in one of the um, uh, uh roller coasters and i flew over the crowd screaming slayer and uh, <laughs> that just felt really good <laughs> it's a good band name actually yeah, i would say it's, it's a very good it's, band name it's very like. screamable and also very uh, easy to write on your arm with uh, a knife which i with suggest you yeah. don't do but uh it, yeah it is easy Slayer. They were originally called Dragon Slayer. Much worse. Dragon Slayer. Yeah, I don't know. they were called Dragon Slayer at first. <laughs> Dragon Slayer seasons in the abyss. <laughs> yeah. Dragon Slayer rain and blood. Yeah. I Slayer is better. I'm gonna have to try one thing with the riff now. I had it on my mind for too long. Uh, I'm gonna because you talked about um, uh, your riff of the day and uh, how it kind of fits. So I want to try mm. and merge them. Let's see if it works. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Maybe in the key of your song to make it more. <laughs> yeah, you know. It's they kind nice. of fit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. The Slayer song is not in uh, it's not a shuffle, however. It's a straight 4-4. Four, four. And uh, yeah, maybe too, we should dig into the, the actual riffs a little bit too. Definitely, definitely. In this song. And um, yeah, that, that was the intro. The <laughs> open E minor and then uh, um, you pick uh, the two uh, notes in E minor uh, in that E minor chord which are on the the fretted notes you pick them like second fret of the fifth and fourth string and then you bend the the tritone which is the first fret on the fifth string so and at the end you land on uh, F which kind of sucks you back in there it's mm. a very very simple riff yeah, uh, quite do quite doomy, right? And um, I think it immediately opens up this uh, 
uh, grandiose feeling that I was talking about before that maybe is not so uh, prevalent on uh, Rain in Blood, for example. And then it comes into the clean riff, uh, which you like. The <laughs> I do like it. And what that is, is basically a plucked um, E minor with the tritone. And the tritone is put on the third string, third mm. fret. So. And then you move the, the, the E note, which is uh, fretted on the second fret on the fourth string. You move it up to F. You get the second chord, which is, and then C and B. So everything is uh, one half step lower because it's tuned down. Yeah, but yeah, you get the basic little cadence. Kind of this Andalusian vibe, I would say. It's not yeah. like full on Egyptian. They have an Egyptian themed video, but yeah, the the song yeah, is I was, more I, of an I want to talk about the video later. It's it's, it's a great. fun video, right? Yeah, it's great. Maybe we should have looked at it in real time and commented on it. Uh, a special episode. Uh, yeah, yeah, but we could. I mean, put uh, it up, some pods do that, and I'm not always a fan of it because uh, I can't see the video. I just hear them like, "Ha ha, what an ugly face." I would say <laughs> I, I prefer talking about things from memory. You know. Like uh, true, that's more true. fun. Then you, then you remember the good stuff. And uh, right, right. let's let's go into it. Sorry, uh, just uh, what I really like about it that they film the neck of the guitar so you can see what they're actually playing. Uh, oh yeah, that's a pretty cool move. That's been do, aped a lot after actually. Do they actually have a a camera attached to the neck? Is that do I remember it correctly? Filming yeah, like probably, down probably. Then, uh, or up I, the neck. I, 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 I was filmed like this in a band that, that I was playing guitar in, and but mm. that was with a GoPro, obviously, because it's now modern times. Yeah, and that just sat easily on on um, exactly. uh, Gibson SG, a very light guitar, so it didn't it didn't make it unbalanced or anything. But no. I think in this video, maybe they had to use something more primitive uh, to mm. come up with this effect, and I think it was quite new at the time. Mm. Uh, looks great. They're, yeah, they're in uh, Cairo, outside Cairo, at the Giza, at the pyramids. Uh, yeah. You get some kind of vibe that uh, uh, they're awakening the the gods of old, and uh, you know, you end exactly. up spending eternity or uh, at least a few seasons in the abyss. <laughs> yeah, All right. I would say. Uh, speaking of the topic of the song, I think it seems to be mostly nonsense lyrics, from yeah, what I, was, I can see. But uh, yeah, I, I have exactly. to say, I really like the the rhythm and flow of, of the vocals as you you went straight into the verse after i played the riff in the beginning there mm. because it has that very nice razor edge last day decision in my head yeah. it has a it's a very catchy verse and it's and not uh, screamed it's not screamed it's kind of sung and yeah and uh, especially the and also the the chorus is extremely catchy Close yeah. your eyes, look deep in your soul, step outside yourself and let your mind go. Frozen eyes, deep, deep, uh, stare deep in your mind as you die. <laughs> yeah, I would say, I mean, I have to really defend these nonsense lyrics. Yeah. Because this is just good nonsense lyrics. Uh, nothing of it sounds bad to me. It all sounds pretty cool. Like, it's frozen eyes. But, <laughs> it's uh, but it's uh, the dead staring into you, you're going insane. Yeah. And the uh, razor's edge, I always, if you... Pull that word out, I'm always happy. Uh, yeah, cool lyrics about nothing. But I'm just wondering, what, what do you think? Which seasons are they spending in the abyss? Is it summer or uh, <laughs> winter? I think, or I think seasons is referring to like more like aeons, I think. 
Like uh, ah, you're in the abyss I, for, I, for I, a long I, time. I, I prefer that, <laughs> that they spend a nice summer in the abyss. <laughs> Just yeah, maybe like a... uh, when you used to uh, when you used to work in uh, in the in the mountainous regions of uh, Sweden. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sesongsarbetande in the abyss. Oh, okay. <laughs> so they're like they're like you know ser- servicing um, um, skis and snowboards down there uh, in the <laughs> abyss. <laughs> Seasonal working in the abyss. No, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it has to be nonsense, I think. But it's very cool nonsense lyrics, and um, yeah, th- th- then that um, the riff that breaks it up, or the bridge riff, uh, distortion on. It's just an E minor uh, scale run on the uh, sixth string, the lowest string, and then with the two fourths there, uh, one on the B, uh, which would be the second fret of the fifth and fourth string and then uh, the first fret of the fifth and fourth string so a lot of these riffs are kind of they have common notes which i think really makes this song one, one of their better flowing songs that they've ever written i think because everything is very seamless in my mm. opinion what would you say uh yeah uh, if i understand it correctly i mean there's they're making riffs out of uh like chords that are within a scale and uh yeah, they, they are. It's quite uh, uh, imaginative that they're they're, let's say, from an F, they're deriving several riffs, and from uh, maybe from a D minor, there's stuff happening. And uh, but it's not straying too much. There's no modal jumps or things to take you out of the groove or like the. Uh, you really get sucked in because uh, it's it's a lot of riffs, but they keep you locked in with the song. I think that's uh, really successful. Uh, yeah. And really a, 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 a key to make a song with this riff stacking going on. Uh, I think so. And I think uh, the 90s kind of worked for Slayer. There's another very 90s flavor riff uh, on that album uh, f- from uh, the song Skeletons of Society, I do believe it's called. Um, <laughs> It's also like very simple, and then it has also a nice uh, rhythmical groove to the singing in that one. Like no future and no past. The rich became the beggars. The fool became the wise. It has uh, most of the album is um, very comprehensible rhythmically, which mm. maybe Rainy Blood is maybe not. You know, it's more chaotic, and uh, mm. you know, it's it's hard to even understand how they could nail that shit. Uh, it's uh, they're quite different beasts, and I like that. Like a band like Slayer, they're kind of uh, we all think of them as an ACDC, right? Or uh, uh, like a uh, Motorhead, like a self-repetitive band. But uh, mm. in their heyday, I think they really made an effort to make every album unique. I uh, I have uh, a embarrassing thing to um, to reveal here in the podcast that the, the album, the single, uh, this, my <laughs> my single. Uh, the, the only a Slayer album I owned for a very long time was Undisputed Attitude, their cover album with <laughs> punk songs, uh, yeah. with Paul Bostaff on drums, uh, and I listened to that uh, a lot. Uh, it is quite, um, <laughs> you know, in I mean, their. I, actually, c- I, I own it too, and I listened to it. Uh, but I was, I think it was two songs that I was really into, and then uh, yeah. there's an original cut on that album, uh, which is a great song uh, called Gemini. Mm. I one wish, of their coolest songs. 
I, I wish that I would have uh, had Raining Blood or maybe Season in Abyss or something like this because, I mean, you, you can't... I, I think, I've, you know, like way back when you were a teenager, you listened like hundreds of times to your albums. And I've listened to this cover album for hundreds of times. It's just, <laughs> yeah. it's just I, can't, I can't deal with that. I mean, it's too... <laughs> it's not that good. <laughs> it's not that good, no. no. There's, a lot, there's a lot of crap on there. Oh. I mean, it's clearly like a, a band on, uh, on the decline there. Drunk drivers <laughs> against mad mothers. I mean, they they have <laughs> they have <laughs> continued to make good songs, good music. But uh, for me, I guess I kind of lost it uh, after um, after seasons. If we're sp speaking about the discography, and most of what they play live would be uh, from the first five albums, and then like uh, they you know throw in a, a new a new tune here and there. Mm -hmm. But um, it's kind of a band that they made their mark, and then they just continued. I guess the biggest hit after must have been God Hates Us All, right? Yeah, Disciple. The song yeah. is called Disciple. The, yeah, the, oh, the, exactly. It's, it's, yeah. It kind of is the title track. And that's also a cool one. Do I remember that riff? It's a cool riff. I don't remember it. But it's <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I just like wanted, I was curious because um, uh, Tom Rai is a uh, Christian, just like yeah. uh, Link Ray. And he sings yep. about uh, Satan and uh, actually, you know, um, destroying Christianity or uh, yep. blah, blah, blah. You know, uh, uh, but, but he has, I, I don't remember quite how he, um, uh, he does have some kind of solution for this. Do you remember what it was? Because I don't remember what, uh, how he, of a funny ordet, how he rectified um yeah. It's an interesting topic. I've, I've thought about this too, and it's like he said in interviews, like several times, like "No, no, God doesn't hate." That's silly. Obviously, God doesn't hate. You know, yeah. and uh, I think I have. I haven't heard his reason. Maybe there is a, like an official statement that you have heard, and I haven't. But uh, I've just heard him be kind of. He's kind of careless about it. He's like, yeah, it's Slayer. It's you know, it's it's fun, uh, fun and Satan. Well, uh, yeah, I, I, think I think he, think he doesn't take take it seriously at all. And he's he's a Christian. He's he was born in a Christian family, and I think he kind of never wavered. Really, I think he no. was always Christian. Uh, but I'm not uh, I'm not one hundred percent sure there. But uh, I, um, I definitely now, and I think he has some inspiration also from like um, um, some nature religion. So that <laughs> brings him even closer mm. to Link Ray, actually. Mm. I think if I remember correctly, it's uh, he, he recognizes that like the power that these uh, these kind of lyrics have uh, that uh, Christian lyrics wouldn't have. You know, like the, a negative lyric uh, it, it reinforces the the music in a very yeah. positive way. I mean, I think that's his way of train of thought that makes it uh, so that validates this. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, like that that he actually is sinning or you know. Uh, uh, blaspheming, I would say. That's what he does. And that, that's a yeah. big sin, I mean, for a Catholic. that uh, It's not what you should do. But I think he has a point. I think it makes sense. I mean, uh, especially to me. I mean, I, I don't care. <laughs> what, yeah. whatever. You can sing whatever he wants. But for him, I think it's, uh, it's good that he came to terms with it and he came up with the solution himself. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and you can tell that he's uh, like a quite good guy, right? So I think... He doesn't come across like an asshole or anything. And he, he doesn't really write most of the lyrics either. He writes maybe two or three lyrics per album. Mm. And uh, maybe some riffs, but not many. And uh, when he writes, it's usually about serial serial killers. Uh -huh. <laughs> like, yeah, he usually writes about serial killers and uh, 
uh, whatnot, you know. Uh, oh, okay, maybe but, maybe that's also a thing that he he can sing it because he didn't write it. You know, it's not yeah, connected that could to be him. part of it. Uh, I don't think so, he wrote any of the blasphemous lyrics. Uh, but then uh, after Jeff Hanneman died, they continued soldiered on with uh, maybe why, my the most po- one of the the second most positive figure for Slayer, right? Um, uh, now I forget his name. You you know his name, Gary Holt. Gary Holt, precis. Yeah, from from yeah. Exodus. Yeah, yeah, very. He seems like a super nice guy and a very very good guitar player. Like mm. uh, he was a little bit too good at soloing for Slayer, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so it almost kind of sounded weird, but I liked it because I'm not a huge fan of of Slayer sloppy solos actually. But I, like, I like uh, the horse uh, neighing sound. <laughs> yeah, actually, it's, it's, a, it's a cool style. It's a cool style. But yeah. I guess they could have developed it further. But uh, I think uh, Gary Holt did a great job uh, jumping into the band, and they only made one record without Jeff. So they didn't really like push it too much, and uh, obviously that record is uh, full of King riffs and maybe too many of them. Yeah, uh, I think yeah. Uh, the author of the riffs in uh, this song and the guy that will be on the on the cover picture for the episode is Jeff Hanneman because I think mm. these are all his riffs, if I'm not mistaken. He writes usually the more melodic stuff and uh, maybe a little bit more sinister, and Kerry King is a little bit more on the speedy side. Mm. Oh, exactly. Uh... What was it more than one of them? Yo, uh, yeah, I was wondering, uh, is, uh, are they, did they finish now? Did they have the last tour or was it cut short by the corona? Or are they still like waiting no, to they, finish they, they had a grandose finish. Like uh, they, oh, okay. they, 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 they did, they dragged that out for quite a while. It was like two and a half years. Uh, but yeah, the, I, I saw, the that's thing, when I saw them. Like they were just beginning yeah. their farewell tour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was getting silly at the end. But then they had a, like, a, a, from what I, um, of what I've understood, a very, very good uh, finishing uh, gig in, um, in LA. And uh, there were some guys from Metallica there. Phil Anselmo was there. Uh, it was, you know, like a... <laughs> A business meeting for a uh, summit for the oh. North North American hard rockers, okay. and uh, I think Down opened as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Down opened, so a cool mm-hmm. bill, and nice. uh, apparently a very good uh, final show. Like uh, they really went out with a bang on that one. So hopefully they will not do a Kiss or uh, Ozzy or uh, you know whoever <laughs> and do like a second last run. Hopefully they're gonna keep it. Hopefully they're gonna keep it clean now. Like Slayer is, is done. Slayer is finished. Slayer unmasked. <laughs> yeah. Slayer, Slayer load. <laughs> Cut their yeah, hair. I mean, it's hard to even oh, no. it's hard to even remember the whole discography after Goddess is all after the nineties there. What happened? There was like uh, World Painted Blood, Christ Illusion. Bleh. Bleh. Yeah, I mean, we don't know that stuff. No, we we don't, we, we don't care that much. But uh I think they're a hell of a live band. I've seen them yeah. three, four times. Uh five times. Yeah, I've seen yeah. them five times. And, uh, really great. I, I remember one time at Hoodsfjell Festivalen, I saw Slayer and I was in the mosh pit. I got pushed in my chest and some person was behind me, uh, <laughs> like uh, uh, leaning over. And I I made a, a how do you say, it? a backflip over his back and landed on my feet <laughs> in the mud, <laughs> super drunk. <laughs> and yeah, and then of course screaming Slayer, raising my fists. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. As you were spinning, as you were spinning, you were screaming it, so it had like a Doppler effect. Slayer, Slayer. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it, I mean, it's, the, it's I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be like uh, nearly as much of a Slayer fan if it wasn't because of their live show that really sells them. 
Like, uh, if, if you re- if you want to listen to Slayer, I mean, now it's now you can't do it, but if you should see them live. One like, critical uh, notion is that I think a lot of people like Slayer because it's fun to scream Slayer, and uh, yeah. it's point. I've been that person, and I'm uh, not afraid to say that. Describe a typical Slayer fan. Slayer fan. A typical. A guy just would literally out of nowhere just yell Slayer, and, you know, just, and go and and. You know, and, and when you see a friend walking down the street and you see that guy's wearing a Slayer shirt too, you know, you can literally, you, you know, you know, you can deal, you know. You know what? You know that you're thinking, you know, you know. Uh, but yeah. it was really nice to go into, deep into Seasons in the Abyss. Maybe you can yeah. play it one more time. Sure, sure. We'll play it live and uh, I will be thinking of those, I think it was eight or nine times I saw that band, you know, quite a lot of times. The last one was in Grandalund on the amusement park in Stockholm and it was fun when he went out on stage, Tom Araya comes out and he's like, uh, welcome to this place of fun and adventure. Yeah, <laughs> with this big Santa beard that he yeah. got in the end. Okay, so that's it. Uh, I guess we're going to have to wrap, out the ep- wrap up the episode before... Um, I don't know if I haven't even checked out Apple Podcasts. I, I keep telling people to to uh, give us a review there, but I guess uh, you should still do that. Uh, give us yeah, a five star review on Apple Podcasts. I mean, for sure, and yeah. maybe join us over at Patreon. Uh, oh yeah, it would be nice. Oh, yeah. uh, check us out on Patreon. Yeah. Uh, we're still on Instagram. We're gainitforifs at gmail dot com if you have ideas or anything. And um, yeah, I guess that's where we're at right now, right? Yeah, I must say, I really like our little Instagram community, and I really enjoy posting things there, small animations or videos uh, of riffs, and yeah, it's really fun, positive experience, for sure. Yeah, it's a fun zone, I would say. All right, so zone of fun and adventure and uh, Slayer, so thank you for listening this week, guys, and uh, we will be back next week. See you next time. See ya. (laughs) 